channel. Yeah, praise God. All right, we're going to talk about ministry tonight. Uh, God's got it on my heart about ministry and and uh, what does ministry look like. And, and I was all week the Holy Spirit's been asking me these questions. And, and once again, I've been trying to jot it down as quick as I can get it. But, you know... Uh, you know, it's these rhetorical questions that I know the answer is in the Word, and I believe He's given me some clarity on where we're at. But, you know, you ask yourself the question is, is once we're a Christian, do we automatically, are, are we called into ministry? Is ministry simply those that are preachers and pastors and Sunday school teachers and, and, and such like that? Or is everyone uh, imputed within the heart upon our conversion, upon our born again experience, a, a desire to be in ministry? So God has been dealing with me because I want to I want to get out of this uh you know, out of this mentality that once we're saved, we put our feet up and just wait for heaven and, and we're not called into ministry and, and we're going to let the deacons do the work or we're going to let the pastors do the work. And, and well, if the Lord called me to preach, then maybe I'd preach. And if the Lord called me to teach and all that. And, but the fact of the matter is, I think there's a harvest for souls. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But I want to talk about that word ministry and actually what does it mean to, to be a minister, to administer to people. Well, I, I want to dive a, a, a thousand different places tonight, but I want to just, uh, first off, I want to start with the Greek word, which we see in the King James Bible 30 times. We see this word in 28 verses, 30 times in 28 verses, this Greek word, which is diakonos, which is the word that is directly translated to minister, we see in the Bible, but oftentimes that same Greek word is used for the word servant. So that kind of brings it down to our level a whole lot more. You say, well, I'm not a minister. Yeah, but are you a servant of the Lord? Are you willing to be a servant of the Lord? And we can go throughout Scripture, Matthew 20 and 26. It shall, uh, but it shall be not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him be your diaconus. Let him be your servant. Uh, Matthew 22 and 13. Then said the kings to the servants... Bind him hand and foot and take him away. So we see that servant there is the same word. Uh, Matthew 23 and 11. But he that is greatest among you, ye shall be shall be your servant, your diaconist, your minister. And over and over again, we see that word minister being the same word as servant. Now you might be here this evening and say, well, I'm not a minister. I've not called it. I've not been called into ministry, but you have been called into servitude. You, you're serving the Lord. That's what happens when we get saved. We're called to serve the Lord. I just want to, I wrote down some quotes that really God has uh, just blessed me with this, this week. Hudson Taylor once said this, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him to do his work through me. And that's good. David Livingston said this, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, then how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If an earthly king, if the president would call you today and say, I have a job for you, we'd say, man, it'd be an honor, Mr. President. But if our heavenly father says, I have a work for you to do, we say, well, I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice. I guess it's going to be my sacrifice. And, but, and I love this. William Carey once said this, to expect great things from God, we must first attempt great things for God. If we're going to have an expectation that God's going to work, he's going to first say, well, what about you? Are you going to let me work through you? 
But ministry is not easy. I know some people are turned off when you think of ministry because ministry can be hard. And, and you, <laughs> Lindsay, you kind of said it there. Sometimes our feelings are going to be hurt. Sometimes we're going to be put out there and open. We're going to have to be honest. We're going to, have to be, we're going to be invested. We're going to, have to be vulnerable. And sometimes we don't want to be that. But that is not an expectation or a burden that's put on us. But it's through the Holy Spirit. You may feel inadequate. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. That everybody is qualified to be in ministry. Everybody's qualified to be a servant of the Lord. Nobody's disqualified. We're going to see that in scripture. But uh, ministry is not easy. It's, it's hard. I heard a story once of a, a group of ministers and a group of salespeople that had both of their, their organizations meeting and holding conventions at the same hotel one day. And the catering department, the, the room service in this catering department of the hotel was uh, just at top speed trying to trying to deal with both of these conventions. The minister convention over here and the uh, salesman commission over uh, uh, convention over there. And, and they were going back and forth just, just running as hard as they can, 100% just trying to meet all the needs. And sure enough, it said that one of the chefs discovered that the spiked watermelon dessert that the salesman were asking for had been delivered to the minister conference. They came back and said, we've made a huge mistake. Uh, we need to go and get it back. We need to go and get that spiked watermelon dessert from the sales, from the ministers and, because it's supposed to be to the salespeople. And sure enough, they send the waiters out there and they came back and the, the waiter said, it's already, it's already been served. And, and the chef said, well, what happened? Did, did they, are they eating it? Did they, do they, are they enjoying it? What's the, what's it look like out there? And he said, I don't know, but every one of them is putting the seeds in their pocket. Nobody? Just trying to break up the ground a little bit. I'm going to be stepping on your toes, so I wanted to tell a joke tonight. Obviously, you'd rather be stepping on your toes. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we know it like the back of our hand. And yet so many aren't heeding to it as Christians. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Jack Howell, you said it. It's a three-step process. Go, go, and go. But go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That is the commission. Mission. That is the ministry. That is what we're called to. There's not, there's not a category of whether you fall into that or not. That is what we're called to do, to be disciples, to be servants of the Lord. Romans 1 and 7 says this, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints... Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved of God, called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 says this, Unto the church of God, which is in Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name Jesus Christ the Lord, both theirs and ours. Throughout Scripture, we see account after account where God calls men and women into servitude, into doing things for God, increasing the kingdom. God doesn't need us. He can work outside of humanity, but there's a beautiful thing, a beautiful picture we see woven throughout scripture that he wants to use men. He wants to use us. And I, and I find that hard to believe, but I'm thankful that he can see anything in me worth using, but he does. We know in 1 Samuel 3, when Samuel was a young child and, and was being ministered before the Lord uh, with Eli, and the Lord, it said the Lord was, uh, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, 
and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And Aaron, a lamp of God, went out of the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither the word of the Lord had yet been revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Yes. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy Lord heareth, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel. At which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle through Samuel. But how many times is God calling us? You know, now there is a, a point before you're a Christian where once again God's not going to use you until that Holy Spirit's in you. That is the navigation system and when it comes to ministry. But I'm telling you, nothing disqualifies us. Age, I'm telling you, God can use, I've seen God use children in households where the kids have had, have no church upbringing. They've came into church and they've been ministered to and they've gotten saved. And that little young child goes back into a household where their parents aren't saved and they end up getting saved. I've seen it over and over again. John chapter 4, I love this. We know the woman of the well like the back of our hands. But we don't realize that, once again, as she received Christ, she was called into ministry. In fact, she did more than the disciples did. I want to show you that. John chapter 4, we know that. She, the woman at the well, she comes to the well, receives Christ, and it says in verse 27, And upon this came his disciples to Jesus and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? But they were thinking it. How come he's having any dealing with her? Not only is she practically a harlot, she had five husbands, and the man she wasn't with wasn't even her husband, you know? Not to mention that, but she was a Samaritan talking to a Jew, which is against it, and they murmured in their mind, how, well, how come he's with her, and how come he's talking with her? And this is what the disciples, this was their ministry, to simply backbite and to murmur and to gossip. But look what business gets tended to with this woman. So then verse 28, the woman left the water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did, is not this the Christ? And look, verse 30, did more than those disciples did. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. That's ministry. You could say, no, you have no idea. I've done too much wrong. I've, I've hurt too much. I've, I've done this. I've done that. And you could give a list of how long. But I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ wipes the slate clean, you're able to be used. And this woman left her water pot, went back into the city, and brought other people to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 5, the, the story of Legion, the one that had the multitude of demons within him. Jesus Christ radically transforms them, uh, casts out all the demons that go into the swine. We know all that part. And it says in verse 14, And they that fed the swine and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. 
Then they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You should be afraid. And they say, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. They didn't want anything to do with it. That's what, that's a part of ministry. You better get used to it. Some people don't want anything to have anything to do with it. Doesn't mean we stop. But anyways, this is the good part right here. Verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, Jesus comes into the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him or prayed to Jesus that he might be with him. So Legion, well, formerly known as Legion, Jesus gets on the boat because they'd already done what God had called him to do, uh, cast out all the demons of Legion. They're trying to get rid of him, so Jesus gets on the boat. The man formerly known as Legion uh, wants to get on the boat with him. He says, hey, I mean, surely he's thinking, if I need to be near anybody, it's Jesus. Uh, that's what I, you, you've transformed my life. There's, what can I do? There's nothing else I can do. I just want to stay with you. But look what the Bible says. It says this in verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He said, no, no, no. I didn't cast out those demons. I didn't do a work in your life for you just to follow me. I did a work in your life that you could go back into your community and be transformed and show people. For crying out loud, the people that were feeding the swine ran into. It doesn't say that they were saved. It didn't say that they were disciples. They were just farmers feeding the swine out there in the gatherings. But it says that they saw it. They freaked out, ran to the city, tell everyone what happened, and they came back. But he says to the formerly known as Legion, he says, no, you don't need to come with me. You need to go back. And look what it says in verse 20. And he departed. He did what Christ said. He departed, went back, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. That's ministry, folks. You can say all you want. And it might stand up to me or Pastor Delbert or to your family. But when Jesus Christ does a work in your life and you say, I'm unqualified to minister, I'm unqualified to be a servant, I'm telling you, he's going to say, you're dead wrong. Amen. He's going to say, you are dead wrong. So everybody's qualified. I want to get that right out. You have a ministry. I don't know what it is. It's not for me to know. I know what mine is. And I hope you find out what yours is because I'm telling you, you are missing the purpose that you've been created for until you are doing that which the Lord called you to. But I'm telling you, I believe once you're a Christian, and, it, and, and you don't have, and you, once again, you might be thinking ministry, and we're going to talk about that right now. You might think ministry is to, to teach a class or to be a preacher, to be a song leader. No, no, no. Ministry is, is multiple things. Minister, you can minister right where you're at. If you're a nurse, you can minister as a nurse. If you're in the military, you can minister in the military. If you're a father or a mother, I'm telling you, what a ministry to raise your children in the house of the Lord. Ministry is anything that God would call you to. But the number one thing is we have to be Samuel. Before we ask questions, before we say what are the conditions, what's it going to look like, how many days a week it's going to be, we just need to say, here am I. Here am I. Amen. Speak. Thy servant listens. Just speak. Thy servant listens. But I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I do want you to turn here because I want you to read it with me. This is another fault of religion. This is another thing that the devil does. 
is they like to put calibers on ministry. Oh, well, you're a pastor. Oh, man, what a high. Or, or you're here. Oh, wow. This. No. Listen, this is one body that is run by the head, which is Jesus Christ. And you can say what you want about your body, but every part of your body has significance. I've heard messages before about the armpit. <laughs> Without the armpit, you're done. And you might say, oh, that's the worst part of the body. It's essential. It's needed. It's necessary. Every part. You're going to have your entire body fine. If you cut off your big toe, you can't walk. You can't walk. No balance. Everything from your eyelashes to your tongue. And God would use this through the Holy Spirit to talk about the church and what it means to be a minister and what it means to be placed that in the place where God has called you. And we need to find out where that is. So anyways, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at the 12th verse. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now let me just say that, all the members. Once again, as we are the body of Christ, once you get saved, you're the body of Christ. So you are not allowed to detach yourself from the body of Christ. That is what we're called into. You can say, I have no formal church affiliation. It doesn't matter. You are called into the body of Christ, which means you're a member of the body of Christ, which means you need to function properly in the, in, as the body of Christ. Our one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether ye be Jews or Gentiles, whether ye be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Once again, we go back to worship. It's the same thing. I believe ministry is an important part of worship too. And number one, what do we know about worship? It's not about me. And if you understand ministry, ministry is not about me. If you're going to minister and you say it's going to be about me, I'm telling you, you are going to work uh, you're gonna. This body will not function properly, and that's why so many churches, that's why so many ministries don't function properly because it's about ego, it's about pride, it's about getting all the credits, it's about doing all the work. This, this, this. But the fact of the matter is, if we would allow the head to run the body, which is Christ, we would function properly. Amen. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, "Because I am not the hand, I am not the body," it is therefore not the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it not therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? <laughs> I love that. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, and look at this right here, as it hath pleased him. You might be in a season in your ministry right now and you say, I'm not happy where I'm at. <laughs> That's fine. I understand you that. And God is, he hears those prayers. But can we ask you this question before we ask if I'm happy? Is he happy? Is he pleased where I'm at? Because I don't know if you know or not, I'm very pleased that he was on the cross dying for me. <laughs> it says it pleased the father to smite the son. It pleased him. Did he ask Jesus how it felt? You know, I'm not saying he's not concerned how we feel, but it's not about us. And if it pleases him, then it should please us. That's what he said. Anyway, this cup can pass from our lips. Let it be so. But if not, thou will be done. But now are they many members, but yet one body? Oh, yeah, we said that. So anyways, we go down to um, verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, uh, I have no need of you. Nay, 
Much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which think we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. This is why we got it all wrong. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. We got it all wrong. We're trying to run this thing. We're trying to operate the head when we don't have a clue. You might say, well, this guy's over there and all he doesn't do anything. This woman, she comes, she doesn't, she's old, she's sitting in a church pew, but she don't serve and, and she's not there on the functions and, and really all she does is every night she gets into her prayer closet and she prays a couple hours. I'm telling you, you take out some of these prayer warriors. That their ministry is getting on their hands and face and getting a hold of God. I'm telling you, there wouldn't be a whole lot of churches in this community right now. Amen. But what we think is uncomely is comeliness. And, and what we think is dishonorable might just be honorable. But we have to let him decide that. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered our body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same uh, care one for another. Let me say this too. My mother, uh, she had knee surgery two years back or three years back. I can't remember. And she got her knee fixed. But because her knee was bad for so long, her hip took all that stress. And if anyone's had knee surgery or anything before, you know that. That if there's a weak part of your body, the rest of your body will compensate for it. Ten hours surgery. Fix your whole party back. And what happens? You get done. And the small part above it starts taking all the stress that was relieved from the larger part. And let me just say this. We, we're so bad about wanting people to fail in ministry. And we're saying, if I would have done that, then, then I'm telling you it wouldn't have fell flat on its face. And They should have let me do it. They should have let me run the show. And But we have understand that when a body part of the body of Christ is lacking, it is the other part of the body that is supposed to compensate to not make sure that it's weak and fatigue, but to say, you know what, I'll carry the load. I'll carry the load for you. I know you're weak. I know you're lacking. I know you've maybe not in ministry in a long time and, and the worst thing we could do, but that's what we want. We say, oh, it'll be good for him. And I've heard preachers say that to me. Oh, it'll be good for him to fall flat on his face a couple times. He'll get stronger from it. Maybe, but that's not the point. The body should work and function together. It's been tempered together, having given a more abundance to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that all the members should... Have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, look, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we see that. This is the number one thing we have to understand about ministry. We're in this together. Now you're not going to do my ministry and I'm not going to do your ministry. But we're called to do it together. Amen. We're called to work function together. And I'm telling you, if this body of Christ operates properly, there's nothing that can stop us. Amen. It says the gates Amen. of hell shall not prevail against the church. And yet we see the devil gaining ground every day. Why? Because the, the we're, we're fighting with both our hands behind our backs sometimes it feels. Alright, so now turn to me to Ephesians chapter 4. Because I want you to leave here tonight... With an attitude to start praying about God, what is my ministry? I'm not saying you got to turn in the keys to your job tomorrow and become a preacher. I'm saying, God, have you placed me here and we're around my coworkers to be more than what my job description is? You know, I've got four babies here in the house. 
is I'm looking out here to be a Sunday school teacher or, or to be a, a to be in a quartet, and that's great. But God, are you calling me to my first ministry just to raise these children up to be a generation that loves the Lord? You know, you have to start. I want you to have that attitude of prayer to say, God, what is it? Because I honestly believe that when you have a born again experience, for crying out loud, the woman at the well, Samuel, the woman at the well, uh, Legion, all of them, immediately after they're transformed by Christ, they leave and go and minister. And yet we get saved and we stop doing anything. We say, well, I'll go talk to my preacher. Maybe he'll go talk to him. Right. You know? And that's fine. I want to. But I'm telling you, if you put me in a scenario where God has called you, I will not operate fluidly. I won't. Because it's not where God placed me. But if God has placed you there... I'm telling you, the door's already going to be open, the ground's going to be fertile, and you're going to be able to get a whole lot further. I'm going to be having to bust down the door when God's saying, if you just would have went, it would have been wide open. They trusted you, they knew you, and now you're putting someone who they have no trust with, no relationship with, and you're putting them in there. But I just want you to leave here saying, all right, God, I believe you've called me to something. And if ministry is servitude, and if I am a servant to you, because that's what we are, we want to be servants. Anyways, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 said this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So God is working all this out. Divine purpose. Nothing by chance. Nothing by coincidence. God has placed you where you need to be. And I'll say this. Shame on you if he's placed you somewhere else and you went somewhere else. This is why I've told people before, if the Lord doesn't, don't get wrong, I want this church to be full, and I do. But if God hasn't called you here, get out. Now, if the Lord is calling you and you feel it in your spirit that God wants you here, then you need to be here. But I think so often we just, you know, we just take it on upon ourselves to say, well, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do here, I'm going to start this ministry, and hey, God's going to get behind it. Maybe. But I think he's got it all worked out. And if we could just put our little hand in his big hand, man, we'd get somewhere. But this is what he's doing. He, he establishes these ministries throughout. For why? For the perfecting of the saints. For us. Perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. To lift up the name of Jesus. Okay. Now to the bread and butter. Romans chapter 4. Now, we won't get into a, theolo- a theological debate in regard to some of the gifts, I want to bypass that. We can get into that another day. That's deep. <laughs> I don't have enough time for that, and you don't want to stay here that long. But I want to get a hold of something that God was showing me. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So understand this. The enabling as far as what God wants you to do in your life is not a, being equipped by your own merits, by your own work, by your own moral character. I hate to break that to you. If you're going to do any work for the kingdom of God, it's because of grace. The grace that he gave you. Which, once again, the grace is unmerited favor, but also grace is divine power. That's what grace is. So we see here, according to the grace which is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth 
an exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Once again, don't over overcomplicate this thing. Uh, I, I, I'm real bad about it. Because social media has become such a thing. And, and Megan's better about calling me out than anybody else. But I give to people. And the first thing I do is say, can I get a selfie with you? I want to put it on Facebook. Just so they know that I'm being a servant for the Lord. Don't overcomplicate it. If God's called you to give, give and leave it. Let God have the glory. Let God have the credit for it. But so often I'm bad about that because we overcomplicate this thing. You know, if God tells you to give, don't rack your brain around it. Well, what's he going to use it for? Is it going to be drugs? Is it going to be alcohol? If God's not leading you to give, then don't give. You think if the Holy Spirit's not telling you. But if God is telling you to give, don't ask questions. Just give it. Let him work it out. And, if, and I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit will lead you to that to that understanding, but he says, he that giveth, let him do it simplicity, with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Can we just, I'm going to park for a second on slothful in business for a second. I hate laziness. I do. And the kingdom of God is no place to be lazy. You want to be lazy at work, be lazy at work, whatever. You want to be late on your test at school, be late on your test at school. But I'm telling you, when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, it's either all or nothing. Amen. If you're not going to have your heart into it, just stay back. I don't want you. We don't want you. <laughs> But I believe with the Holy Spirit and the grace that he's given that there is no excuse why we can't put 100%. No reason but to be slothful in business to say, you know, if I'm going to go and door knock, let's go door knock. Let's not put one door in and say, all right, I think we, I think we call it a day. That's not, that's not what we're called to do. If we're coming to have church on Sunday, hey, how about we have church? <laughs> let's get somewhere. And just say we, we met for an hour and we can check it off the list. No, that's, that's slothful. That's slothful. There's no place for that. All right, we can, we can move it along. <laughs> Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's what we're doing here. In all these different administrations, he calls us. And man, there's a blueprint here. How to minister. There's a blueprint to pray about which direction. And then he goes on to encourage that which is in ministry because we said it at the beginning. It's not going to be easy. But it says this, rejoicing in hope. That's what ministry is, right? We offer something that nobody else in the entire universe can offer. Hope. Seriously. Tommy went today. I took Tommy to the doctor today. He said they didn't give me any assurance. He said they said, well, it's kind of, we don't know. Yeah, what do you want? They're human. (laughs) They can only do so much. And they're not going to put their neck out there if they can't guarantee it. Because sure enough, they don't want you to come come uh, come back to bite them. But when it comes to the hope of Jesus Christ, it is the one thing that we can offer that we can guarantee every time. I mean, it is a present hope in our time of trouble. And that's what it says. So we need to rejoice in hope to know that no matter what we're faced with, no matter how bad the world gets, we have the hope of Jesus Christ. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. And look right here. Oh, wow. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Let me say this. If God's called someone that you see someone in ministry and man, they're really on fire. Help them out. Help them out. 
If they're out there in the trenches and, and you can tell they're low on they're low on people or maybe they're low on resources and low on funds, hey, distribute to the saints, to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And then it says right here, be of the same mind one toward another. That's really what I think it boils down to. It said in Pentecost when they were in the upper room that they were in one mind and one accord. And I think that is honestly the hardest thing we have in church and why our ministries slack so much. Not just the Rock Branch, but I'm talking about churches in general. Because we are not in the same mind. We need to start with the simplistic fact and truth that we are here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you could say, well, I'm spreading the gospel by giving out a shirt. Now let me just say this. This is what separates us from the world. I can do just as much good with a bag of hot dogs. (laughs) Or an open gym. Or a youth activity. Or anything. I mean, you name it, and we can use it. What separates us from the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to go and deliver a pizza to a house, I need to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what separates us. The problem now with so many ministries is they've started with good intentions, but they've left out the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all they're left with is the entertainment portion. It's just bait for us. It's, it's something that can catch somebody and once again the hook is that hey, we know a Savior. We know one that can give us eternal life. But be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't try to have this all figured out, folks. But tonight I just want to Good, it's right about time to dismiss, but I just want to tell you tonight that I believe we're all called to ministry. And I don't believe you can argue me out of that thought. Now, I don't know what your ministry is, but it's something. And if we're going to go and win souls for Jesus Christ, then we need to be in this thing together. And you need to begin praying about where God's placing you. Because you might think it's inadequate, you may think it's inefficient, you may think there's no way that when I walk out to get my trash on Monday morning and my neighbor is out there getting his trash can on Monday morning, that that's an opportunity to minister to someone. Have you asked God? Have you asked God? For a second, stop trying to be the head and just be the body. Amen. <laughs> he knows what's good. And I'll tell you, There are some ministries that are within our own households. And I know, and I know, and I know that sometimes it's the hardest people to reach. It's easy to go to, it's easy to go uh, 10 miles down the road and knock on a house that you've never met. Because if he slams the door in your face, you're most likely not going to see him again. But God may have placed you right there to look over to your husband or your wife or to your children or to your parents. And God might be saying, that's your ministry. Before anything else... That's your ministry. I honestly believe that's why we like giving to ministries and missionaries that are overseas. Because we take away the accountability. We say, well, I'm giving. I just don't live in Peru. I just don't live in Africa. But I would help if it was closer. But whenever the ministry is at your front porch, 
or at your back door, or in your community, we say, ooh, now I have to be invested. Let me just say this. Is what we have not the greatest thing in the world? Is it not? I'll tell you. I've done a lot of stuff in my life that I've enjoyed. But the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is Jesus Christ. And it would be a shame for me not to share that with everybody around me. Everybody around me. I used to go to the coal show with my father. I think I've mentioned this once before. I used to go to the coal show with my father. And there was a gentleman there from Cardinal Plant. And he was a, a, a worked in the prep plant. Dad's done it for 35 years. And every time I would see him, Bill was his name. I can't remember his last name. Every time I would see Bill, he wouldn't even wait. He wouldn't say, how are you? He would begin just ministering to me. He said, hey, uh, uh, are you in church? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And you know, I used to be like, man, that guy's, man, what the heck? Give it a second. <laughs> but you can't, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. What is he supposed to talk about? Tim Tebow said that. He's, they have asked him before. They said, how come you always talk about Jesus? Every interview, it's, it gets old. How come you? And he said, it'd be like my wife. Every occasion, I love my wife. And, I, and I want, I'm not forced to talk about my wife. I'm not forced to tell her that I love her. But I love her. And I want everyone to know that I love her. And he said, the same with my relationship to Jesus Christ. I love him. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And you can't help it. You can't help it. And I think if we just have a, a desire to, to a desire to serve, a desire to, to do in someone's life what Christ did in our life, because that's what we're doing. We're the body of Christ. And he wants to do that for others. And I just want to leave here. We're going to go to prayer. Um, Lindsay, would you have a song or anything tonight? You could sing. Could you come up here and just sing? I just feel led to get a song. But I just want to uh, ask tonight. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer right now. She comes to sing. But uh, I want you to believe here, and I want you to pray right now that God would place you where he would want to place you. And you would feel equipped by his grace to make a difference. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can change the atmosphere when you walk in a room, if you would let all right, let's go to prayer first. Dear Holy Father, we just come to you right now. I'm asking you right now. Yes, it's Wednesday night. Oh, yes, it's not church. It's not revival. But Father, we feel your spirit here. Uh, we believe you're trying to do a work. I just want you to speak to every heart tonight that they would not ask us, that they would not ask themselves, but they would ask you uh, what you have called them in their life. I believe the minute we have the Holy Spirit, our life changes, our desires change, our, our callings change, and Father, we are equipped to do your work. That is the true purpose of why were created to be here on earth. But Father, we ask you tonight to prick everyone's heart, that they would ask you, that they would listen to what you would say, to show them the ministry that they've been called to, to show them what a true servant looks like, that Father, we would go out here into the world and do that which you've called us to be, the body of Christ. And I believe we would be unstoppable. I'd see we, I would believe we'd see a wave of the harvest of lost souls, that Father, we'd be encouraged like we'd never been encouraged before, but Father, we need you to do it. And I pray tonight that they'll search their hearts, that you'll you'll try their reins, that Father, they'll, they'll consult you through the Holy Spirit and you would tell them where you'd want them. Thankful that you call us, thankful that you equip us, thankful that you have a job for us to do, even us, that we feel so inadequate, that Father, you make us adequate through your Holy Spirit. We ask tonight, in your Son's name,